Welcome everyone. I'm Sue Barber, author, former IT director for a Fortune 500 company, turn executive coach, and this is the Visibility Factor podcast, where we explore how to raise your visibility and play bigger at work and in life. We'll explore key topics and welcome guests that help you shift your thinking about yourself so you can see new possibilities for your leadership. I'm on a mission to create a visibility movement for leaders to show their value and be seen for their true talent. Are you ready to take the next step towards a higher level of visibility for yourself? Let's go. Hello everyone. Welcome back to the Visibility Factor podcast. This is Sue Barber, your host. Today I am thrilled to bring to you Denise Morrison, who is my friend. We are in a women's networking group together and um, I just love her to pieces and I wanted to share her with you. So let me read her bio and then we'll get into some great questions. Denise was a super shy, introverted girl who learned how to overcome emotional eating and self-abusive habits to become a dedicated and vibrant physical therapist, yoga teacher, and finally, a transformational health and life coach. She lives in Norfolk, Virginia with her Kiwi husband, Steve. She loves to travel, laugh, go to concerts, and drink Nespresso. She loves to be the person to help her clients on a whole new intimate level. She listens, watches, and senses the experience that her clients are having like no one else, she can quickly, lovingly lead them on their purposeful, transformational journey. Welcome to the show, Denise. Hi, Sue. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm thrilled to have you. I know we're going to have a a great conversation. So can you share a little bit about the people that you like to coach and what you're really coaching them on? So the ladies who are professional women they have it all, the family, the house, and all the trappings of life. And they realize at some point, huh, I'm not feeling so good. My body's starting to ache. Why am I so run down? I'm doing all the things. And they soon realize that they've been putting themselves last. They've been in the achieving mode, the people-pleasing mode. And they've been striving since they were born. And it hits them at a certain age and they start to think something's going on inside of me. I'm not completely happy and healthy inside. Oh no. And if they're lucky enough to find me and I'm lucky enough to find them, we have conversations about what's really happening inside of them and slow them down. Mm. Wow. That's so, I mean, I wish I could have found you uh, probably 12 years ago. <laughs> that, was, that was definitely my situation. I mean, and you don't realize how much you're putting yourself last when you've got kids and probably more than a full-time job in many cases and you're traveling. It's just a lot to to really take on. So, well, I'm thrilled that you're doing this for women and I know how much they're appreciating it. Can we go back in time a little bit to what's in your bio? where you talk about emotional eating and some of the things that you struggled with as maybe a child. I don't know exactly what age that was, but you talked about some of those things that happened earlier in your life. How did that show up for you? What was happening? So our household wasn't exactly smooth and easy and calm and happy. There was a dysfunction. There was physical, emotional, and mental abuse occurring in the household. And uh, my sister, mother, and I were the ones who stuck together and kept our mouths quiet. And we Mm. hid. And let's just say we were invisible because it was safer to be that way. And as I 
grew, I became interested in exercising and eating. And then I realized, wow, exercising feels really good. And it feels so good that I can do a lot of it. And it takes away any of the pain I'm feeling and that fear I'm feeling inside. So this wonderful quality that comes from over-exercising kind of uh, leveled me off. But what ensued was I needed more food (laughs) because I was exercising so much and growing. And I started to eat and eat. And fortunately and unfortunately, our family is uh, one of uh, Hungarian descent where we believed in food as pleasure. And food Mm. was all about social connections and making everyone happy. And, okay, quiet down. Here's some food. So there was a lot of linkages between self-soothing food and exercise, which then over time became, I exercised so much, I ate so much, I ate too much, I had to exercise more. And then this huge spiral started where I began to live in this emotional eating, over-exercising, abusive cycle to stay regular and it was like another part of me that felt comfortable because I could control the eating and the exercise, even though it was dysfunctional. But unbeknownst to me at that time, it was a dysfunctional pattern that I picked up and was being modeled in my household. But that was my little that was my little um, pattern and cycle to hold on to that I could control. So it swept me off my feet and. It wasn't very good for my body and my hormones and my health. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but it sure I mean, kept me in line. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's interesting, right? You talk about the things you can control when there's so much maybe chaos and things happening around you. And I thought it was interesting to use the words like we chose to be invisible because it was safer that way, which I think obviously that was so challenging for you to go through. And um, it's just to see you now and how much joy and laughter and fun. And um, she makes me laugh every time I talk to her. So I just want to really understand, like, what helped you get past that situation that you were experiencing? I'm sure there's a lot of time and effort that had to go into helping you move past that. How was that for you? So fortunately, I went to a high school that was far away from my home. So that was my first step out of the environment, which was toxic and abusive. And I started to mingle with different people out of my neighborhood and saw a different parenting style, family dynamics. And I started reaching for something different. And even though I was in high school, still perpetuating this cycle, doing all the things to my body and my mind, which I didn't know, but I I had this little voice inside of me saying, they've got it going on. Look at how they live. They're happy. Look at their families. They're succeeding. And I just started peeking over the fence and into the other households and started hanging out with some of these other friends. And over time, it led me to choose a career in physical therapy, which then took me further away from home out of the environment once again. However, I did not know how to cope all by myself when I went to university and I was in a very rigorous program. Physical therapy is very tough. And in order for me to cope with that, my eating disorders and emotional 
self-sabotage and abuse and exercise tools really (laughs) solidified and sped up so that it could help me control more of the fear that I was going through. So early on, I found a college counselor who started to shed new light on what I brought to the table, who I was being, and basically stopped me in my tracks. Like, you're basically beating yourself up in a very rigorous program. Let's stop that and take some breaks and figure out how to be healthy, how to be slow, how to really enjoy your college experience. So the counselor then helped me, and then I had some great friends through physical therapy school, and then I started going to yoga classes. And yoga was another little peak and a segue out to a different way of being, which was calmer and slower. Yet I was still addicted to that cycle of emotional eating and over-exercising. So I didn't know how to stop it. Carry on. I was fortunate enough to be approached during my college years to apply for a Fulbright scholarship. And Everybody in the family, everyone back home was like, no, you're not going to do it. That's ridiculous. That's stupid. And I thought to myself, that little inner voice said, I could go away and study. I could get a chance to leave. And so I chose New Zealand. (laughs) So I couldn't believe it. I doubted myself. That little inner mean girl doubted me, but I did all the things that naturally came to me and my grades and my um, proposal supported it. And I got the scholarship to go to New Zealand. So I went further away and it was in New Zealand that I started feeling free, free to be me without all the triggers from home, from school, from family, from everything. And I started learning different ways of being. Of course, it's there that I met my now husband, and it was an entirely different approach to life, to eating, to enjoying life, to exercise. And I started seeing a healthier way to do things. So I met a coach there, and the coach started helping me in a different way. So kind of the pieces started falling into play, and I would love to say it was all over with then. (laughs) (laughs) But life went on and I got knocked off track. (laughs) But as I um, grew up, uh, got married and developed a different way of being, it was finally in 2006 that I became a coach from all my trainings. And that was like, okay, here we go. That's got to stop. So it, it took a while. So Oh, oh my gosh. But so amazing. Like you had all of these amazing teachers and helpers that showed up for you in so many different ways. And then you were, you know, smart enough to say, you know what, I need to go further away. This isn't far enough. I need to go. That's about as far as you can go. I think, Denise. Uh (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's well. And luckily you met your husband even better. So, I mean, that's a bonus right there. No idea when this tall, dark, handsome fellow walked into my office when I was studying and I'm like, hello. (laughs) Anyway. Oh my gosh. That's so, so cool. Well, I I saw you posted an article today about the inner mean girls. And I think that is so true. I think um, the the one in my book, she has a um, British accent. She's very, her name's Victoria and she's really kind of challenging for me. So I'm sure you have your own um, voices inside your head that are doing that, but how is that showing up for your clients? Is that the same for them? Oh my gosh. Yes. Well, the women that I serve, 
being professionals, being high achievers, people pleasers, and, and go-getters, their voices are almost more loud now because of the way society is than back when I was younger. There's so much competition. There's so much input. There's so much stimulation. So helping them figure out who is their real loving inner voice versus all that noise, that possible inner mean girl they picked up as a combination of people from childhood or, you know, a version of themselves that (laughs) they stuck with since they were, you know, when I was in high school beating myself up, I could hear that inner mean girl still. And I have to just take her on the side and have a little chat to her (laughs) and give her a hug and say, okay, it's not 19X anymore. It's 2022. So, but yeah, I see it. And and once they can hear from my feedback that that's not really real and that's not a part that they need to listen to anymore, it's tears flow, the joy flows. (laughs) So true, because we don't know that that's stuff that we could say it's not true. You know, I think when you operate under automatic pilot, which I talk about a lot, you don't realize that the thoughts in your head don't have to be real unless you make them real and that they're not helpful sometimes and that you get to say, you know what, that that's great that you're there, but I'm going to go do this. And just like you chose to go to New Zealand, I'm sure a lot of thoughts in, were in your head like, this is scary. You can't do this. What are you thinking? You know, and you didn't listen to it and you did it anyway. And I think that's yep. so amazing. You're a great example for people to follow. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I mean, I look back and I go, who was that? But she was in there, even despite, I'll say this, despite the emotional eating, the overweight, the bloating, all the icky symptoms from from overeating and overexercising, I was hidden in these big outfits. You remember those weird suits that we also wear, (laughs) those swishy suits, those big suits, but she was in there, so... She was just trying to come out and be visible. If you could just get her out there, right? No, I know. Well, let's let's let me just put it this way. I'm actually showing you arm now compared to back then. Yeah. Where I would have never shown arm. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, Denise and I talked a little bit on Saturday and uh, one of the things that we talked about was kind of the inner critic and versus the inner mentor. And that is I think what we all need to listen for and look for, because it's not always the person who's being mean, but there's always this little inner mentor that's trying to help you. If you just listen to that voice and say, okay, you should go to New Zealand. Okay, I'm going to go to New Zealand, or you should go do something, you know, take that job that you're scared of. Um, Because I know for me, I definitely self-sabotaged and didn't even realize it. So are there ways that you can help people understand where they may be self-sabotaging and not even know that that's happening for them? Oh, gosh, yes. Um, Being in the medical field for so long and having practiced all of this kind of side-by-side, watching how people abuse their bodies. I mean, simplest things like not getting enough sleep, um, drinking too much caffeine, taking in too much sugar – if they're not paying attention to their unique body's wisdom, there's something going on and we dive into what they say, you know, their, their thoughts, their self-talk. I ask them about their beliefs. They sometimes don't, they don't even realize that they have beliefs and they have parts of themselves that are kind of like driving the, you know, lack of sleep, pushing them to not take a break. And 
it's just me with my curious, loving self that shows up and really has them share their story, their, their whole situation completely that I start to pick up and notice, okay, you've, you've taken care of everybody else. When are you going to stop? Or you, you haven't had a drink all day or you haven't eaten all day. Why not? And then we dive into what are they thinking? What are they saying to themselves? What are they experiencing? How are they moving around in their days? I mean, are they are they driving and walking around like people scroll social media? So I, I start paying attention to all the body signs and symptoms, so to speak. I, I kind of combine like coaching in the medical world, identifying things that some people still don't, you know, my, some of my ladies still don't pick out because they're so focused on that inner critic or the, or the pushing voice inside of them, like, go, go. So, yeah, it's, and of course, if it's sabotaging them, it becomes ill health to some degree if it's too far down. And I, I tell my ladies, I call it the, the self-neglect syndrome. <laughs> so I help them find out what part they're neglecting. And then we go and fill up their cup and have a self-care practice because, you know, they're not going to be any good if they're not filling their own cup. Wow. <laughs> wow. So interesting because you are a doctor of physical therapy. How much of that do you feel like helps you as a coach? Oh my gosh, tremendously. Because, I mean, I have been diagnosing, assessing, evaluating folks completely and holistically. I started in physical therapy when I was 14. So over 30 years, I've been in this like mind, body, holistic kind of realm of watching what people are saying, doing, how they're moving, how their bodies are functioning. And oh my gosh, it, it, and, and realizing that when I was like doing a massage or a mobilization on someone and people would cry or they would start to share a memory, I would think, oh my gosh, there's some emotional component tucked away in some part of their body and chronic pain, so on. So it's really married itself beautifully so that I can see through you, hear through you and help you like un unpeel or peel away the stuff that's not working and go, there's your magic, there's your health, there's your well-being. All that other stuff is getting in your way or clogging your system or whatever. And, you know, of course, I break it down from there. But, uh, yeah, that's the gist. Wow. You know, just think about how many cultural messages or societal messages every, especially women are getting, you know, that you have to be able to do it all. You have to, you know, raise the kids, go work all this stuff, keep the house clean. Uh, pay all the bills, do all this. I always say it'd be great if I could have another wife, just <laughs> another one who could handle some of these things for me, right? But um, how do you think we could do something different to help people see that those don't have to be true, that you don't have to follow all that? Is that part of what you talk to them about? Oh, heck yeah. And this is when I bring in my inner bad girl slash sometimes <laughs> inner mean critic, my Jersey self, because uh, growing up in New Jersey, we really, I really learned how to stand up and be loud and obnoxious in a, in a good, helpful way, <laughs> but in a loving, caring way to, to put the stop sign up to the, the inner critic, the inner sabotager. And really like with my clients, when we go through what's consuming their lives, whether it be on social media, TV, relationships, their job, how does it make them feel? And a lot of times, like they have not even taken the moments to recognize, wow, I just watched that horrible news story. I'm grinding my teeth. My stomach's curling. 
oops, I'm popping in a piece of chocolate because they didn't pick out that that hurt them, that, that, that interfered with them. So really paying attention to your unique inner wisdom, your knowing that inner mentor that we've been speaking about because you do know inside you and someone else outside of you may offer a well-meaning advice or think that they know you, but they really don't know you unless they get in there and ask the questions that you and I would ask of our clients to really pick up what's going on for them as an experience of who they are. That makes sense. Yeah, totally. And what you made me think of is like for people who are operating with those kinds of stories, but then they're also dealing with maybe a toxic boss or a toxic work environment or a toxic peers that they have to work with. And how do you feel like that gets in their way? Like how can they help themselves when that's happening for them? So, well, reach out to me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's a given. (laughs) Yeah, that's a given. Um, But find someone that's like me or Sue and that resonates with you to get help. Because number one, if you're not finding a supportive person where you work or in your family life or in your relationships, know that those insights are right. Like trust those insights. And like I did, I went to another set of friends. I went outside my circle because even though I was supposed to be in a loving family, something was saying, this doesn't feel right. And I went outside that. So find a trusted advisor or a support person or a coach or a mentor, therapist, whoever resonates with you that gets you and start to learn what that person's experience is and their toxicity is not you. You don't have to take it on. And um, it doesn't mean anything to you unless you make it mean something to you. And that's an exercise and lessons in and of itself to stop making meaning out of what's going on over there. But to, I like what I've done in the past when I've worked under and around bullies is listen with my little bubble around me, like my true energetic bubble and protection to protect my energy and myself and then walk away and then either go in my car and scream or cry or journal about it or call somebody or call my coach because it takes practice to build that that way of being around someone toxic and then of course if it comes to be can you find a different way to do what you're going to do find a different job find a different relationship because sometimes it has to be that way otherwise it can be very detrimental to your health and well-being. I'm so glad you brought that up, honestly, because that was a huge learning for me. I definitely um, would be around someone like that and would take all that in and just somehow feel like I had to help. I had to make it better. I had to do something or I had to protect someone else um, from that. So I would take it upon me instead of realizing it has nothing to do with me. It's just who that person is. They have their own path, if you will, to follow. And I cannot change it, nor do I need to get involved. I can walk away. And that was a huge lesson for me. I can't even tell you how big that was for me, just um, from the many things I learned growing up to being in the workplace with people who are not always um, the best leaders. And you feel like you have to do something sometimes in that situation. And learning that, that lesson was Uh, life-changing for me. So I love that you brought that up. I don't know if that's what you're seeing in your clients too. 
Oh gosh, yes. Um, and especially during the pandemic, even more of my colleagues and friends that are healthcare professionals, educators, administrators in the academic setting. I mean, things became really toxic. Uh, things were thrown all over the place. And if they weren't paying attention to their physical symptoms and just listen to the voice coming at them or that that mean girl coming from or the mean guy coming from outside, we, we needed to dig in and figure out who's who's really important to listen to here and, you know, take it and do what you can with what they say, but then go back to you and really take care of you. Um, but yes, these are these are very, very deep conversations when I get in, se- in a session with a client. So for sure. Um, yeah. But that learning deep inside is so powerful once you get it, like you said, that Whew, that's their stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 amazing. And I'm trying to teach like my children and other people because I didn't learn that. I don't know how I figured out that I was trying to do that. And that was the right thing to do. You know, somehow you just maybe you see other people doing it growing up and or in the workplace and you think, OK, well, that's what I should do now. You're probably trying to just imitate that. And um, it's not helpful. <laughs> So listen to what Denise just said. It's not helpful at all in any way. So what do you think people can do? Just a few simple tips that you would offer to people to really help them take care of themselves. Watch out for these signs that you've mentioned along the way. Are there some things that you would tell people to do or advise them to do? Well, the simplest thing is seriously check in if you're breathing or not. <laughs> um, so many times, I mean, I, I'm very passionate, so you'll hear me get like out of breath a little bit because I have so much I could share. But just observing your breath, that's the best gauge. And are you holding your breath? And what's stopping you from taking full breaths in and out? I mean, so simple. And usually when my clients start to realize that, They wonder how they're existing all day because they're holding their breath or taking little sips of air and they, you can usually identify like, are they stiff in their neck? Is their jaw hurting? Like, is their back hurting? And you know, the physical therapist yoga in me is like, stand up every 20 minutes, stretch Mm -hmm. out, get away from the computer, stop scrolling, stop looking down. Um, But not in a mean girl way, but, refresh your body, refresh your posture, refresh your blood flow, your energy. Um, You know, everything can be refreshed and reset. Kind of like when our computers, Mm -hmm. uh, you know that better than me, but like have a little (laughs) reset and it doesn't take long. I mean, and your body, as you do this throughout the day, like I tell my clients, even if they have to set an alarm or put a post-it, once they start incorporating those little resets throughout the day, their body craves it. And all of a sudden they're like, okay, I got to take a break now. It's been, you know, 20 minutes or I've been in a meeting for 90 minutes. I need, you know, 30 minutes off to figure out what I just went through. Take my breaths back. Um, Oh, am I thirsty? Oh, am I hungry? Oh, do I need to go to the bathroom? (laughs) I mean, it's so simple, but because we're saturated by social media and dings and notifications, we get carried away with those very hypnotic Mm-hmm. dings and notifications and before you know it you know you're singing another trendy song on tiktok <laughs> <laughs> yes everyone track. should follow Den- should follow denise on tiktok she lo- she's a tiktok queen uh well, i think it's 
What you just mentioned, though, is also about slowing down and having the self-awareness. So, you know, in the beginning, maybe you have to set an alarm to make sure that you're doing it. But at some point, hopefully, that transitions into more self-awareness about how you're feeling, what you're thinking, if you're holding your breath and not realizing it. Because I'm pretty sure that happened to me quite a bit (laughs) in my time. Yes, I'm quite sure I missed lunch, you know. back-to-back meetings, I think that's just unfortunately become a norm that people accept. Mm. Instead Mm. of saying, I don't have to do that, I can build in a half hour between meetings. Or I think that's where we have to change the way uh, expectations are sometimes in a corporate world, for sure. It's just the expectation is you can go back-to-back, you can work all day, and then you have to work at night because you're trying to catch up. And the more we can start to say, you know what, there's a better way there's yes. another way that you can do this that's better for you. And ultimately, it's better for the company. If you're not getting sick, your team still has you. You know, if you're not in a good place energetically, it's not good for anybody, especially your family or your people at work. Oh, my gosh. And I, if I may just share this little tidbit, I left working. I was, in, I was working four jobs as a physical therapist when I graduated. And then when I went over to New Zealand... Well, I was, I was earning money, doing what I could to get myself set up when I moved to New Zealand. And when I went to New Zealand and started hanging out with the, the um, staff there in the college, morning tea, afternoon tea time, if you're not familiar. Wow. I mean, taking a break every day at 10 a.m. and then 3 p.m. <laughs> at first, my whole body was like <laughs> radiating, going, what are you people doing? How can you be so productive if you're taking all this time off? And I soon learned that it was a great reset. I mean, you got to mingle with your friends, have a cup of tea, whatever. I mean, wonderful food in New Zealand, but just new ideas came, new insights came. I mean, when we walked away, I was doing a research project. When we had those breaks, we can collaborate on something because we got out of the thinking mode. We got into the feeling and the creativity and the expression mode and Oh my gosh, you know, especially I lived in Australia too. And that was like sacred time for us to just unwind from working with patients and going through emotional stuff with them. And I'm sure in the corporate world, there's got to be some emotions floating around. And if you're not taking time to like decompress, process and release, it's going to compound in your mind and body throughout the day. Mm -hmm. So morning tea, afternoon tea. (laughs) (laughs) Words to live by for Denise Morrison. <laughs> yeah, they just have a different way of life, right? And I think it's a better a better approach to well-being and mental health and all the things that people are challenged with. I was just uh, spent some time in a hospital recently with my daughter and she had surgery and I could see how many people were sitting outside, you know, the nurses and the staff sitting outside trying to reset. You know, they had a beautiful body of water. And it was just very calming. And I just thought that's such an incredible thing that they built the hospital that way so that they had a place to go do that because I'm sure they recognize it's hard. And especially pandemic and post, you know, somewhat post pandemic now, it's still challenging. There's not Mm. enough people and not enough things that everybody needs. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I impress this upon my clients to take stress seriously. Because that just affects everything. I mean, it, you, we might throw these terms around like stress management, you know, mindfulness. It's it's really, 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 really helpful because, I mean, we going through the pandemic and different things in our lives, 
I think it took us two years to come off the adrenaline rush all, and our hormones finally settle down because you don't realize it. And even those of us in my household who are very aware, it was so much so that it took us some time to realize how much it was affecting our health and well-being. So, you know, and, and I was going to add to you before is when my clients quickly or may not quickly learn that they actually have a choice, that's the most magical thing because sometimes folks do not think they even have a choice. Like mm-hmm. that life is just kind of dragging them along, but you do have a choice to stop, be self-aware, take a breath, take, take a drink and go, yes, I am in charge of my mind and body. And that noise out there, that's just like little suggestions. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell your boss yeah, that. No. You, you, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, even, I don't know. I think I, I probably had options, but I didn't choose to take them, right? I mm. saw that I had to do what was expected or what I thought was expected. I really don't even think... You know, looking back on it many years later, I don't really think that they expected us to work a million hours the way we probably did. Mm. They probably thought, you know, you can do it within this amount of time. But I just kept saying yes. And as long as I keep saying yes, they're going to keep giving me stuff, right? So it was up to me, just like you talked about being from New Jersey and standing up and, and amplifying your voice a bit. I think that was up to me to do that. But I didn't know how at that point. So you live and learn as you go through these things <laughs> and see that there's a better way. So listen to what she's sharing because there's a better way. There really is. The Visibility Factor is brought to you in part by the Choose Your Life Challenge. Do you feel like it's too late to do something new? You have a good life and your basic needs are met. You have a place to live, a job that provides enough and friends and family to share it with. But it's all passing by so quickly. And it feels like you're running out of time to do the things you wanted to do. Join Danielle McCombs and Christy Allinger, co-hosts of the Opposite of Small Talk podcast, in a 30-day interactive experience that helps you to live a more intentional life. Through a combination of live sessions, video coaching, and digital social interaction, you will be guided through a series of ideas to explore your mindset and gain confidence to live the life you want. Sign up today by visiting theoppositeofsmalltalk.com forward slash challenge. Use promo code challenge4 for a 20% discount. That's theoppositeofsmalltalk.com forward slash challenge and promo code challenge4. We're going to transition into what I call rise up and be visible quick tips. These are questions that I do at the end of every podcast, and I'd love to get your perspective, Denise. So fill in the blank. Visibility is? For me, showing up as joyous, calm, easy, and happy as I can be aligned with my authentic self. So I love that. It's, it's when I do that, it feels like I'm just beaming like I am now. See, mm-hmm, I'm beaming yeah. because I can just be myself. You, you create a comfortable, loving, safe environment for me to be myself. Oh, that's, that's beautiful. Oh my gosh. That's beautiful. You should definitely oh. have that on your website. Like here's oh. what I do for people. <laughs> well, you here's do that how, for me. <laughs> oh yeah. Here's how I show up for you. Oh my gosh. I love that. Uh, do you have advice or a tip that you could share with the listeners on what you have done to be visible? Well, I had a coach and a mentor and a wonderful group of women that you belong to, to 
support me and help me put myself out there and, and know that it's okay. And then know that I have all of these talents and skills and experiences that are valuable to share to other women, to the world around whoever wants to hear um, this can apply men and women, but and kids. So yeah, I, I find someone that you can trust and you can count on and that supports you, but stretches you if you feel like you're stuck or that you're hiding or you're playing small and know that, if you don't want to live that way, you don't have to. Mm-hmm. Just ask for help. Ask yep. for help. Oh, okay. What is the one piece of leadership or career advice that you receive that helps you the most? Oh my gosh. Be me. I mean, if I hear that one more time from another networking um, event or another coach, seriously, like that is so makes things so simple is to just show up as me and of course, with my training and background and my understanding in the world of coaching, I'm going to show up in a loving, caring, fun way. You know, not going to be a jerk or anything. <laughs> so, Pro- probably best not to be a jerk, right? <laughs> <laughs> See, but I, I think when I realized that, though, it took away all the comparison for me. Oh, like, because, yeah. you know, when you could just be yourself and your authentic self all the time, You don't worry about all these other things that I definitely had in my corporate world. I was trying to be, you know, the perfect person and do the perfect things all the time. And it was exhausting to do that. I would come home and literally lay on the bed. I'd have to lay on the bed for five minutes just to like chill and before I could go make dinner or do whatever, because it just, it was so much to take on every day. And I didn't realize that I was even doing it. That's how crazy. <laughs> when I think back now, what I was doing, it's insane. it's insane. I know, but it's so good. So now you can share it with others yes. and then you've written about it in your book because, right. oh my yes. gosh, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. out there. <laughs> it's out there. Okay, so what books have you read that you love and would recommend? Mm, well, uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, Um if I had found that book when I was in my teens, if I could have understood the words probably, but changing the basic habits that we do, that we don't even know that we do, those automatic ones, he just brings it to such great awareness and how kind of simple it works to change your habits if you do it. And Dr. Judd Brewer, is the he wrote The Craving Mind. And mm. having been an emotional eater and addicted to exercise, not knowing kind of all the mechanics why I did that. I mean, I, I knew why it was doing doing it to cope in my situation to gain some control, but just the science behind why our mind craves things. And he has amazing programs um, working with mindfulness and awareness of like, you know, emotional eating, stopping smoking, being addicted to uh, social media and being addicted to thinking like, wow, his books are amazing. And, uh, I mean, Jen Sincero, or is that how I say it? Sincero? Yeah, Glenn, you, are, yeah. you are a badass, please. please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that book. I, I, I listened to the audiobook of that because she's just so great to listen to her voice and all that she went through. Yeah, that is a great series of books. Her, I've read all her books too. Yes, yeah, amazing. Yeah. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with the audience about what you're doing and then also how to connect with you if they want to find you? Well, sure. Um, I am helping women and empowering them and 
building their self-esteem and their confidence. I mean, so much fun in being their person. Um, so I start with little uh, tips on my website. It's called the seven day mindset reset. It's a little mini email course. You can just um, sign up for that. And I have another beautiful resource. It's a rewrite your body story. It's a transformational journal journal. If you've ever had any issues like I did with um, self-esteem, body awareness issues with my body. So I offer that and then lots of tips on my blog. So my website is um, denislynmorrison.com. Very simple. But you can find me on social media. I'm hanging out on LinkedIn all the time because that's a cool place to be with Sue and the rest of them. (laughs) (laughs) And if you dare to come over to TikTok and see me dancing around with my true love. (laughs) Um, But really, my aim is to help women really own their uniqueness, their body's wisdom, to trust their body's wisdom, and then follow it so that they can put themselves first. They can take care of their health, their well-being, feel great in their relationships, their careers, whatever it is. And it just ripples out all over the place. And you can change this path that you're on in any moment, any day. It's, it's fast, it's fun, and it's possible. You don't have to suffer for real. So. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love all of that. And Denise is exactly the person that you're hearing from right now. She, I see her all the time and she is this person. And I just want to say, you know, her and her husband, um, when you watch them online together, (laughs) they just are fun. They're like relationship goals for a lot of people because not everybody has that. So I think you are a true light in the world and I'm thrilled to get to be your friend and to talk to you all the time. And Um, If anyone's looking for a person to help them, Denise is out there ready for you. So please reach out to her. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, thanks everybody for joining us today on the Visibility Factor podcast, and we'll talk to you on the next one. Thanks so much for listening to the Visibility Factor podcast. Remember that visibility starts with small steps that are intentional and consistent each day. Be bold, be visible, be the leader you were meant to be. Find us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Follow us on all of our social media platforms, which are highlighted in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Visibility Factor Podcast.